but since it's just there and so easily accessible, it makes in a like a in a sense it makes you disconnected mm -hmm. because then okay so say you say you've never met this person right just right. for example you never met this person and then you know out of the 30 you get the one and you guys meet <laughs> you yeah know what right I mean? you're hanging out but since you're so disconnected because you've been sending out 30 just like copy pasted messages now you're hanging out with this person and you can't just copy and paste your conversation oh. so you know what i mean so you have to sit and talk with this person and it you feel like you can't connect you can't do it and it's i feel like that's maybe where you know kind of coming up now in that age group um Damn. where social media is so huge it's that it's like shit i i can't connect with people you know mm -hmm. what i mean and then it kind of yeah. goes down and down from there Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes them. In today's episode, we are joined by longtime guest, Jordan Chris. And as always, Jordan is just, we always have this really deep and kind of really emotional conversations and it starts out with talking about the joker the film by with starring joaquin phoenix and from there it, it really turns into a question about what does the joker tell us about society and the shortcomings of it and it was really really interesting to kind of bounce around these ideas because it sounds like you know we're talking about these big societal problems but society is made up of individuals. And so we get to tease apart the different problems that, you know, the lack of connection and communication between people, even though, you know, we are more connected than we've ever been. But in some ways, we are more disconnected than we've ever been. And um, it wound up being this really awesome conversation around that. And we kind of end the conversation talking about what we are working on as individuals for ourselves to cultivate certain things and in many ways for Jordan he even said it for the first time he's trying to be more present he's trying to learn how to be more positive and by to be more positive he's forcing himself to try and be more present which I think is absolutely amazing because it's kind of this little mantra thing that I've been talking about for so long and you know he even said it is like be where your feet are and things like that and it, just to hear the effect of some of the things that I've been working on is now having effect on people around me because I've been doing this mindset training and talking about it so much that it's really really cool and like as always just being able to bounce all these ideas off of Jordan was just awesome and i hope you all enjoyed this incredibly wide-ranging conversation with jordan chris we're back with another episode of feeding curiosity and it's been a little while but we got jordan chris back here what's up that's been a long time yeah it's been a little while we've we kind of had a uh, a lot of scheduling issues just with football and yeah. busyness <laughs> of life <laughs> football is our priority in my life <laughs> well, when you got five fantasy leagues, I, I I get it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's no, I can't justify it. <laughs> you know, I can. There we go. It's not gonna work. I was wondering why you were sounding different. Yeah, that's that's better. Cool. Yeah, <clears throat> cool. 
Well, we were just kind of warming up before we started recording, talking about all the things that have been going on in the, I don't know, entertainment space, I guess, would be yeah. the biggest way of describing it bubble-wise. And no. So we're talking about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, which Jordan had written a review on, which is one of the few, actually, more relevant reviews we've kind of written yeah. on the website as a whole. Yeah. And I, it came out really good. Um, kind of captures the essence of the film, I think, and what the commentary... I think this what has generated more about the movie is it's a fantastic film but it's like what the commentary it's generating around the film which is i think is way more interesting yeah and i feel like that's why it is as big as it is yeah because like the movie itself not that it's i'm not downplaying it at all but it didn't do anything like that we've never seen it's pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. as far as movies go like you know you have your beginning you see your character they give you your exposition you have your inciting incident, which I say is mm-hmm. when he get when spoiler alert <laughs> when, when he gets the gun. I won't say too much, but like when he gets the gun, that happens relatively early, so like that's not really ruining anything. No, but when he gets the gun, and then it kind of goes forth from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, a really good way so, of laying it out. Yeah, so like the structure of it, and you know the the actual plot. There's nothing that we haven't seen. It wasn't like when you saw Inception for the first time and you're oh, like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, right. what was that? And like, you kind of like, or those movies that, you know, you have to watch maybe twice to kind of mm-hmm. really wrap your head around. It wasn't anything like that. But what was so like, just striking was that it was like, wow, this felt more real, at least personally more real than anything I've seen yeah. in a long time, at least. You know what I mean? Something. It was definitely not a superhero movie. Let's just, no, let's just put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's based on characters from comic books. It was not a comic book movie in the not sense of, all. like, let's just do this for fun and yeah. giggles and stuff. Yeah. It's a social commentary, commentary, I think, in a lot of aspects yeah. where they're saying, like, this is what society can do to people. And then this is someone who's troubled, who can not take, <clears throat> excuse me, not take um responsibility Mm -hmm. i guess for his actions and almost almost like narcissistic but it's it it i can't believe how real it felt like Mm -hmm. even still just thinking about it i'm like that just feels like i've seen that movie but not in another movie like i've seen it just going downtown right (laughs) you know like like have you like so everyone can relate to this have you ever seen like the like maybe the homeless guy who's talking to himself at the corner and you're like i'm just gonna cross the street <laughs> you know what i mean or something like yeah that. and you're kind of like your hair stands up on end a little bit as yeah. you're walking by i'm like i'm not sure if i trust this guy completely right like you don't know what's gonna happen so you get right. nervous and then like that i feel like that's what this movie gave that guy a back a backstory yeah it's nuts that's terrifying yeah on so many levels right because it, it makes you empathize with that person mm-hmm. you know it makes you you know, as, as I was watching the film and you kind of, you're rooting for him, right? Everyone's yeah. seen that kid or that person who's been kicked down by everybody who's in quotations marks cooler than them, right? Yeah. We've all been in through high school and yeah. <laughs> elementary school. And you see that one guy that gets picked on all the time and you just look at him and you're like, thank God that's not me. Right. Most of the time. Right. <laughs> and this is the story of you are that person and then you get pushed too far. Yeah. And it's like, when I, when I would explain it to friends or people who were like, I don't know if I want to see that because they're like, Heath Ledger is too good as the Joker kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you almost can't compare the two movies together because they're so unique in perceptions. Like right. the Joker uh, by, as portrayed by Heath Ledger is as true to the comic books as I think you'll ever get. Yeah. Or at least as, a, as a, a modernized representation of it. Right. Yeah. And, um, 
this version of the Joker by Joaquin Phoenix is something else completely entirely. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, I don't think anyone, I don't know the originator of Batman something. The name's there. I just can't think of it. Whatever his name is. I don't think he intended. I don't think he ever foresaw this. No. You know what I mean? Like, how could you? No. No one did. Like, no <laughs> one besides Todd Phillips and the whole writing team and everyone else that went into making that movie. Had any inception of what yeah, was going was like, on? Like, I mean, even when they were first announcing, like, oh, we're going to do another Joker movie. I remember being like, another one? Like, I'm kind of like, as after we Jared were, Leto. We were talking <laughs> about it. We were both kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, how much more can you, like, I'm like, okay, so just kind of relating it. You, so they're making another Batman movie, right? And mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson got casted okay. as Batman, which I actually like, he's a phenomenal actor. People hate on him for like Twilight and stuff like that, but like, whatever like he's right i think their movies uh good good times i think it's called don't quote me i watched it um you know, decent amount of time ago and mm-hmm. phenomenal performance the dude can act his ass off and there's another movie just came out with uh came out with uh willem dafoe called the lighthouse i haven't seen it yet um but it's from robert eggers who directed the witch mm-hmm. which okay. is like one of those classic horror film so not like modern slasher just gory but like it's a narrative driven horror film Mm -hmm. so he directed this movie called the lighthouse i haven't seen it yet but i really want to it looks really creepy and just interesting um but anyway so all these different iterations of like batman i mean we've seen in just the last what 10 years we've seen three 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 or four you know what i mean not and that's not counting the tv shows right (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean so like it's like the the age of the sequel yeah, is and, what we're in right now, yeah, man. And it's like, dude, how many times can I see the same Batman story? Like, I already right. saw, you know, not that it's not interesting, but it's like, I've just, let's get something new. Mm-hmm. So then they do this thing with the Joker where Jared Leto tries it. And then, you know, you have all these different people coming up wanting to do it. And I remember thinking, like, I just don't know how good it can be. Mm-hmm. And damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I had to leave that movie, or when as I left that movie in theater, I didn't have to leave it, but I was like, okay then. Yeah. Because it, it really, like you said, it felt too real in the sense of like how this person can go from barely holding it together to just like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to hold it together. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, what's the point of holding it together anyways? Yeah. Like, it, they just go from this whole end of like, I want to do better for my family or the people I care about to, heh whatever yeah. life's a damn joke because yeah. like it's like when i was explaining before is like the you know if society's gonna tell me i'm a joke and i mean nothing then okay then yeah. i will i will call you on your bluff yeah. kind of thing and he just he just doubled down on it and it's like one of those the symbolism of it i thought was interesting where as the story changes right and there's like some joker iconography like yeah. clown stuff without mm-hmm. getting too in detail with yeah, it, yeah. it it he it felt like to me is he took that as a symbol where he used that to bolster his own identity. Yeah. Where he, even though it was like, nobody knew it was him. He used it as like, like to boost himself and be like, Ooh, I'm being recognized. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, Cause that's, that's all he wanted. Right. So that was, <laughs> so when you're writing a character, right, they, they have wants and needs. So mm-hmm. want is like what they believe is what they want. And mm-hmm. the need is what, when they, what they really what want they need to fulfill whatever their journey is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, we're following the bad guy. So like, you know, you have your hero's journey or like the typical journey of your protagonist where it's like they have their flaw, they resolve their flaw and become a better person at the end. Yeah. Right? That's typically what you see. 
this did the opposite. He had his flaw, <laughs> which was him conforming to societal standards. Mm-hmm. And so his want was being like, I have to provide, I have to do this, I have to do that. You know what I mean? Like what you would expect a normal person in life. You know what I mean? He realized, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. And it's wrong without, I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it's crazy to see they like rationalized it where you, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's what disturbs you. Cause you're like, Oh, I get why he did it. Mm-hmm. And I was rooting for him at a certain point. And it's like, Oh, so that's a human quality or a human trait that mm-hmm. we all more, more or less possess. Yeah. And it's really, it's really like it. I wanted to leave the theater. <laughs> like I literally <laughs> was like, looking around and i was like yo i need to get out of here <laughs> like, it just was too disturbing and i'm like i don't like how real this seems especially with the anxiety of like what happened in colorado or colorado mm-hmm. this year i mean the shooter in that scenario called himself uh he said like he painted his hair red or something and called himself the joker whoa hello yeah so it was like that's too real yeah and that was after the first joker that was in Heath ledger's joker. yeah that was Actually, during the release of the Dark Knight, wasn't it? It was Dark Knight Rises. Rises, okay. But it was after the okay Dark Knight. So yeah, I mean, who knows if he was really inspired by that or if he was just kind of like a little crazy. But who knows, regardless, right? this was so real and like you felt that you're like, well, if that inspired something like that loosely, mm-hmm. then this could just potentially cause catastrophe. Now, do I think it will? No, but it's just while you're watching it and you're realizing all that Mm -hmm. and the security guard walks in and is looking, you know, I don't know if that happened in your theater. There was a secure, there was a cop in front of the movie theater as I walked in Yeah, and they had like the police car right on the curb, right 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 next to it. And I was like, I kind of like, as I walked by, I was like, that's interesting. I'm like, why do they have a cop here at a movie theater? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's like, it was like early. It was like 11 or something that I had gone. Oh, and their cops were out there that early. There was just one guy just standing there out there. Like he had the vest in, you know, the Jeez. hands in, up by the armpits of the, and I'm like, what is going, I'm like, it didn't like it registered, but it didn't register that it would be because of the Joker. Right. You know? And, but I'm like, huh. Like now that you're saying it, I'm like, yeah. that makes a lot more sense yeah. now because like, this is such in quotes, triggering kind of movie. Yeah. Or at least it makes you think. I mean, this goes back to like so many levels of what we've talked about media, right? Mm-hmm. Media that makes you opt in yeah. to a, a larger conversation about society mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> at large. It's, I don't know. It's so scary. Not scary in the sense. It's more of like, fuck. It's like, it's like, how do you take, because this is such an extreme example, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, as it's portrayed in the movie, but yeah. in, in many ways it has to be this extreme just to break through the noise. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, how do you like rewind it a little bit and like look at the more real case, like real scenario of this and then create something that allows to help the real like person. Right. Right. Cause it's obviously a movie. So it's meant to be shocking and jarring and yeah. all that, all of the above. Yeah. Make you want to move, leave the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's where I kind of go with it is like, okay, right. So this is a movie. And so that's really easy for the average person to be like, well, it's just a movie. So it doesn't really affect anything. Yeah. But how do you actually talk about these things in a different way then? Right. And what we, the things we're talking about is like mental illness and yeah. how the society perceives those things and interacts with them or yeah. helps people get help. Yeah. And I think it brings a spotlight to like that, you know, people dealing with mental illness do need help, you know, especially mm-hmm. the ones who can't um 
who may not have the means to get it on their own. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the people who are, you know, in, um, uncircum, you know, bad circumstances. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at them and you're like, well, what are they supposed to do? And typically society's like, uh, right. I yeah. Gotta go to work. Everyone just, <laughs> every, yeah, right. Everyone just kind of shrugs and like, well, I got to pay my own bills. Yeah. And which, which you can't fault people for that. Cause you do have no. to look out for yourself, but it just speaks to the point where it's like, they feel alone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And anyone can empathize with that mm-hmm. or sympathy, whatever. Um, can understand those feelings where it's like, it sucks to feel alone. And then when you don't have help, you know, or you can't afford help, but you genuinely want it, it's, it sucks. And then, I mean, this obviously, yeah, it was an extreme drastic case of what could happen, but it still didn't feel like something that couldn't happen. Yeah. Right. It wasn't so removed that it was just like, Oh yeah, this is a work, yeah. completely a work of fiction. Yeah. It was like, Oh yeah, that's possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, what what's crazy and um i was talking about this the other day but what's crazy a thing that did i don't know if they intended it but if they mm-hmm. did genius but <laughs> even if they even if they didn't intend it still genius because it made me realize that wow man in this world which was really it wasn't a fictional world it was 1980s new york you know what yeah I mean? that this was placed so in this world also it was see like, gotham but really gotham, right. like, <laughs> <New> York, <laughs> you know I mean? or but, any major city at that time period yeah, like doesn't it, really matter where you put it <laughs> yeah but point being it it was our world it wasn't a movie world it was just our world you know what i mean our right. city new york whatever it made the joker seem so like wow that can happen as we've been saying mm-hmm. but then when you try to throw batman into it it's like nah that wouldn't work so it makes batman seem more fake and batman is a good, you know, the the a bright figure. He, you know, does things for good. He's the savior, and it makes that Ooh. person seem less real. Yeah, but the one who's like, I'm gonna go on a rampage, real, and it, that is what I was like. That's, I think, that, does that show the cynicism of our time? It has to be because, like, <laughs> yeah, like if, if someone who's like the shining example, right, who's yeah. who's gonna take the responsibility and try to do better. For for like the what he represents, right? He yeah. he represents the city, right? The the even though he's the Dark Knight, right? Yeah. He he chooses to take on all of the shit that the city won't take stand up for, right? And damn, it shows kind of yeah, it's a cynicism of our time of like to have someone who is going to take that responsibility or going to look at him like ha, good yeah. luck, buddy. Yeah. See wait see wait just wait till a little bit and see how you'll crumble. Yeah. You know you're just going to get smashed by the weight of that, right? It's it's not so much. I wasn't prepared for that. I don't know if anyone was, but for those reasons, they did a, a brilliant job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. There's talks of them doing a sequel and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. I don't know like, how you could. Right? So, like, initially they said never. Like, we're never going to do anything. They do still stick to the point that Batman will never be in it. Yeah. Which... Right, as I just said, it would make it. I mean, he'd seem be like fake. he'd be like eighty years old if he, yeah. <laughs> if they like put Batman in the yeah. movie. Yeah, so there's a there's a theory. I won't say it for. I want to say it. I mean, it's gonna be like five weeks by the time. Oh, then if you haven't seen it by then, then it'll that's be your it'll fault. it will it'll be five weeks by the time this goes live. Total. Right, right. So by the time this is out, if you haven't seen it, that's your fault. So yeah, um, <laughs> we've but, done enough spoiler for the last twenty minutes yeah. or sixteen minutes, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> so a theory. I don't know if this is true, but it would make sense. The theory is that this that Arthur Fleck doesn't become the actual Joker; he inspires the actual Joker, Batman's rival Joker. Because if by the time 
and in the movie by the time Bruce Wayne becomes Batman, Arthur Fleck would be like, like you said, like eighty. He'd be right. a grown ass, like, <laughs> right. be like, all right, shut up, sit down. Because <laughs> you know, like, like he's already like thirty something at least, yeah, at least, you, you know. know? What I mean? <laughs> so they were saying their theory is that this guy inspires inspires the copycat yeah, of some sort, right? Um, and huh. I think I don't know if this is wrong, but I think that there's. What a theory I heard is that the person who actually shoots Bruce Wayne's parents is the one who becomes them, but there'd still oh, be that huge age gap. Yeah, there would be. Um, but that, I mean, in the terms of the story of Batman versus Joker, that would almost have to happen because how that wouldn't work. You know, he was right. like too old. Um, but I like that they did it that way because you can almost see him completely. Because usually Joker, it was like if you have Joker, you have Batman. You have to have one. With, you know, you right. can't have one it's the antagonist the and the protagonist that yeah. that loop yeah. that they you just have to have one that represents all the positive, one mm. that represents all the negative, right. and then the Joker's trying to create the situation where the Batman loses his moral compass, right? Basically, yeah. And if it, I describe it as simply as possible, no, yeah, that, I think that was a perfect description. But in this in this iteration of the film, they separated that mm-hmm. and said, "Nope, he's on his own." Yeah, which. Batman can't be Batman on his own because he would have no need. Back to the wants and needs. Aha. He would have no need. That's to super be, interesting. You know what I mean? So he almost, you almost need that extreme evil to get an extreme good. Yeah. And it, it's crazy that it works that way, but not the other way. Right. You can have extreme evil without a beacon of good. Yeah. Whoa. It's just there's so many layers. <laughs> I'm like thinking about all the different like stories now of like like we were talking about before is like Spider Man and Green mm-hmm. Goblin and why that same dynamic is really similar, yeah. or even you know Darth Vader's like story is like really similar to that too, where you have extreme evil with extreme good with Luke yeah. versus Darth Vader, and or even Darth Sidious. Like yeah. you you need the I you need the presence of both to be able to. Paint the picture completely, right? It's kind of like the idea Joe was talking about with color. Like, you can't have a separation of colors without knowing all the colors. Right. Or having a spectrum of colors. Right. Like, you can't have red and blue, but when they're all together, they just make white. So, you... It doesn't make sense. Like, you can't put them together until you have them separated. Right. So, I don't know. It's like... That's so weird, though, that it's easier to go just down rather than up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It speaks to us as people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It just, it's parts of, uh, I have like a sneeze that's building and it's not coming, so sorry. <laughs> Tongue <laughs> to roof of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Does not, that work? Yeah, it works. I can't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> you still tried that. I, know, I can't really. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> it speaks um, to. Oh, it's be so it's it's not to a fault to anyone, but um, it it's kind of a, a feeling, emotion, or an aspect of our humanity that we try to like hide yeah. or act like doesn't exist when it does exist. And I feel like I feel like it's almost better to acknowledge that fact. To say like this is a potential of like a downward spiral right i think joe's talked about this before and even it was probably in a a, i think it was in a book he read you might you probably read the same one i don't know i can't remember which one it is but i remember him before bringing up how there is like 
to be a good person, you kind of have to realize how bad you can be. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. a, probably a bad example. No, I mean, that's a really general way of explaining it. Yeah. Like, like what Joe has said before is like, you don't know if you're, you could, you have the capacity to be a bad person or make a bad decision. Like more, more what we're saying here too is like morally bad, right? right? right. Like whatever society de- deems more like stealing, murdering, mm-hmm. hurting other people, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not to say you couldn't do those things. It's just that you haven't had the opportunity to act out on that type of opportunity. Right. And also too, there's like a caveat is whether or not you, the likeliness of which you'd be able to get caught doing that thing. Right. Cause even if, cause part of you knows it's not going to be like part of you knows deep down that it's not right to do a certain thing like steal mm-hmm. to take the easy example. Yeah. But if you know, no one's going to notice that you did that thing and it's not going to hurt anyone in quotation marks, then you'll just do it. Right. Because you're just like, well, I'm not, you know, like one of the, the things I, I remember reading is like a statistic about blue collar fraud, which is like tax, like insurance agency fraud and things like that, where people white are. White collar fraud? Yeah. Did I say blue? Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess. yeah, white collar fraud. So it's like uh, tax, tax evasion type stuff or using insurance systems to kind of get free money mm-hmm. because nobody loses in those scenarios in quotes because right. the money is already kind of floating out there and it just gets made as like insurance claims. And so people just kind of skim off the top and all of a sudden it's like, well, I didn't really do anything wrong. Everyone gets right. their credit cards back. No one gets anything stolen from. Mm-hmm. And so to speak. Right. Yeah. But it's still not right. Yeah. <laughs> You're using like milking the system for your own gain. Right. It's selfish. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like one of the things when I go back to this stuff is kind of like, why are we obsessed with darkness? Like we, we, we naturally, hmm. we naturally go to where the things seem darkest yeah. and we kind of hang out in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I, I go there because it's kind of like this thing of hope. Like you have to go to the deepest, darkest level to kind of be able to crawl back out and yeah. see what could be possible. Right. Because like the, one of the things when I wrote that poem is like when you, when something is dark and you, you are at the lowest point you've ever been, all you can go is up. So right. no matter how many times you fall and fail and whatever, you've already been there. Right. right. And it's kind of analogous to Batman, right? When he falls down the well and he's just looking up yeah. and you see the, the hole the light, at the top, yeah. it's like, well, I've already made my home down here. <laughs> I'm already comfortable at this terrible place. Yeah. And so you, all you can do is just keep trying to be a little bit better. Yeah. And that's kind of where I go with it. And I, I don't know. I'm naturally super optimistic, so I can't help but push look at, and look at the brighter side yeah. of everything or like what could be possible if like we could help more people Yeah. in that, in those places. Right. Potentially, potentially I feel like some people it makes some like when you, when you see how dark, um, like a character can get in a, in the realm of a story, mm-hmm. and you're watching that or reading that or whatever, you can look at it and say, you feel almost better about yourself because you're like, I would never Ooh. do that. You know what I mean? So like, it gives you this uh-huh. this like backwards fulfillment. Yeah, it is backwards almost because yeah. it's like, well, hopefully you would never do that. Duh! Like <laughs> that shouldn't have yeah. to be said. You, you kind of look I mean? at it and shrug like, well, I'd never do something yeah, like that. But like, you still look and you're like, wow, people can be that shitty, and you kind of have this feeling like I would never be that shitty. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. and then it, I feel like it also, I feel like Joker did this well, but um, I'm, I'm sure other movies have too, but it puts you in the driver's seat to say, what would you do in this scenario? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you, if you see someone like that, who's being bullied and I mean, we've all had like in one way or another, we've all went through this where you, you see um, 
some sort of wrongdoing being done to someone, but maybe not in the extreme, but like someone just being ridiculed, you know what I mean? Like someone say they're just talking smack on the bus Mm -hmm. or whatever at the, at the lunch table. Right. I mean, one of the good stories to just diverge real quick is the Kevin Hines story. Perfect. Perfect. You know, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, had you listened to that podcast, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. And I mean that I was listening to it, it brought me to tears because it's like, I feel like, cause the reason it affected me so so much is that there's been times where like you see stuff like that and you don't say anything and it's not because you necessarily don't care mm-hmm. but you're just in your head you're like oh it's not my business right it's not it's in quotes not my problem to deal with right <laughs> and and again i don't think you can fault people for thinking that but when you just put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. you would want someone to stand up and help you know what i mean yeah um and the fact that no one did in this you know kevin hines literally attempted to you know end his life he jumped off the golden gate bridge yeah, and survived and be, somehow yeah just because it was no one else's business so if you just make other people if you make other people your business and like are compassionate mm-hmm. like and if you, you gotta care like you have to legitimately care yeah like because people have a sixth sense for bullshit like yeah. if you're gonna try and half-ass something and be like like you're not really meaning what you're saying to mm-hmm. someone or you're just not really that interested they're going to know. I mean, there's a scene of that yeah. in the Joker yeah. with his uh, <laughs> public like therapist, I guess. I yeah, don't even social know. Social worker. Social worker whatever, would yeah. the best example. Yeah. You know, and there's a scene and he actually has a really good line about it. Like, you're not even listening to me. You yeah. ask me the same questions every time I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, how many times in our day, you know, and this is pre-computer era. Yeah. You know, yeah, at least, in, and, you know, nowadays it's like we're more connected than ever in quotes. Yeah. But <laughs> more of us feel connection by connection, right? More of us feel alone today than we've ever been. Yeah, I, I saw. A, I actually shared a t- statistical article from I think it was Business Insider in the in the Gen Z group. So like from ages thirteen, like eight under eight under eighteen, basically. Right now, okay. the number one cause of death is suicide. Right now, and that is so. Question on that. Isn't that ever, is that true just for that generation or is that true for every, every generation in, in that, that age, age group? group? Good question. I don't know about that one. Just, just curious, but no, keep yeah, going. That's a really good question. Yeah. But e- regardless of that, like it just feels like to me, cause this is the first generation that's grown up with all the social media connectivity. Right. Cause the, they were in probably middle school or so when like Facebook and Twitter got really popular and right. Instagram. And so there's like a book, uh, I'm coddling of the American mind, which is kind of like this idea of how students are being coddled to death, kind of like they're just being helicopter parents and yeah. stuff like that. Like all that kind of stuff where they're not able to experience the world. It's like, no, no, no they'll get hurt. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, but it's also like cutting them off from growth because they just feel no connection with themselves or those around them. And it's just like, shit, like it, it it's the same thing we've been circling around. It's like, if statistically we're seeing suicide being the number one cause of death for young people. What I, I zoom way down to the individual level and say, what is going on in each of their lives that causes them to feel like that is the only option in their life. Right. Like, and that goes way deeper than just, you know, the, the ends, (laughs) the ends justify the mean kind of scenario. It's like, no, no, no. There's like something way different going on at, higher level like the communities the families the the friends and stuff like that like if if in i think the average american or average 
adult right now can can't say they have like a friend or a best friend or something like that or someone they can look up to really to like ask for help right i mean wow. that that feels weird for us because yeah. we've had such a different friend group than yeah. the majority but like fuck like when you feel like you can't even reach out to someone you consider as a friend yeah when you need help <laughs> wow i didn't actually know that was a thing but i guess i mean if you think about it I if you start thinking about sense, it yeah. it makes like it may not make sense for like us specifically, but I think it makes sense for a lot of us. Like if we're just so stuck in our routines and our daily grind, like we spend so much time at our workplaces. Right. Mm -hmm. But at our workplaces, do you really consider those people friends and right. like close enough, yeah. like close enough that you can like vent your garbage at them? Yeah. Because unfortunately, if you're going to vent your garbage, it's going to contain them most yeah. of the time. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, I mean, you're around them so much. Right. It's so, crazy. I mean, sometimes you can, you know, make friends and like legitimate friends from workplaces. Right. But yeah, for the most part, they're ultimately just coworkers. Yeah. Um. Wow. I didn't, I never thought of that, but it makes sense. And and that same token, I wonder, maybe it's a maturity thing mm -hmm. in a weird way, but I wonder why the disparity is so, actually, as I'm talking it out, it's making more sense. <laughs> so, so, go ahead and lay it out. Go ahead and lay um, it out. So, okay. My initial thought was just like in that age group, the Gen Z, mm -hmm. I feel like it's similar because how, how I describe it is, uh, disconnection by connection so mm -hmm. like it's so easy to you know talk to anyone and you know just connect with people you know what i mean right. with instagrams but like surface level connection right yeah and that's why it's disconnected because when you actually have to sit and talk to someone routinely like mm -hmm. to get to know someone like i remember <laughs> it's funny so i remember <laughs> back when we were younger if you wanted to like ask someone out you had to ask them out right you know what i mean like there was no easy there's really no oh easy my god way to do it. i'm and just like remembering like we had to remember each other's phone numbers yeah. and stuff and especially if you had to call a girl like get our yeah. parents on the line you're like yeah and you're like dude like <laughs> so awkward but i feel like it's good because you learn a lot one about yourself yeah two and you just learn to um it's like a social like ballet skill. yeah social ballet but like you build on your social skills and say okay well that didn't work so like i got it you know what i mean like you yeah. just you and maybe not so uh what's what's the word not so conscious of it. Yeah, there you go. But it's kind of like a subconscious thing that you're doing over time. But now, I mean, you could just slide in the DMs. You know what really? I mean? And like, they don't, they leave me on scene. All right, well, I'll slide to this one. I'll slide to that oh, one. Oh, man. Keep, Dude, that's like a mean? commentary on all the dating apps right now. Like, yeah. if you think about it, oh my God. Yeah, it makes it easy. And that's why everyone. It's like pulling a roulette wheel. Yeah. You're just like, well, I can try the next one. <laughs> I'll I can try 30. Right. <laughs> just by probability's sake, <laughs> I'm going to hit on at least three. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But you know what I mean? And it, it oh my God. It makes sense because it makes it easy. And especially for people it who. It commoditizes it. Yeah. And especially for people who aren't social butterflies, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Who don't like having interactions, you know, maybe with people they don't know or something like that, or they get nervous or anxious or whatever. It makes it so easy. And so I don't, it's not that it's a bad thing, but since it's just there. And so easily accessible, it makes in a like a in a sense it makes you disconnected mm -hmm. because then okay so say you say you've never met this person right just right. for example you never met this person and then you know out of the thirty you get the one and you guys meet <laughs> you yeah know what I mean? right and you're hanging out but since you're so disconnected because you've been sending out thirty just like copy pasted messages now you're hanging out with this person and you can't just copy and paste your conversation. Oh. so you know what i mean so you have to sit and talk with this person and it 
you feel like you can't connect. That sounds friends. like a t-shirt, by the way. You can't just copy and paste the conversation. That's yeah. so fucking good. <laughs> right? But like, you, can't, you can't do it. And it's, I feel like that's maybe where, you know, kind of coming up now in that age group um, where social media is so huge. It's that it's like, shit, I, I can't connect with people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then it kind of yeah. goes down and down from there. And they don't realize the good that comes from social media. Cause I do think it has a lot. I think I'm more, um, I look at it in a brighter light than a lot of people do social mm-hmm. media. I think it has a lot of good to it. It has a lot of bad, but I think there's a lot of good things that come from yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, I, the way I see it too, I think you've partly kind of driven this and just kind of the thinking I've been doing in the space is we have to figure out how to make it work for us. Right. Than it than the other way around because yeah. it's very easy for it to you know get notifications. Like I, I tell people at work, anyone who listen to me is that our phones have turned into little dopamine drips in, <laughs> that are like plugged into our brain. Yeah. Because you get notifications and you're like, ooh, yeah. like someone messaged me, right? Like if we're gonna go pull on this like dating app thread of this stuff, right? Yeah. If you leave your notifications on, you got like however many dating apps, and you send out you know, yeah. 30, 30 messages to someone, and someone starts talking to you, mm-hmm. and you're getting messages all day. Your yeah. your brain's just lighting up like, ooh, people yeah. are giving me attention. I'm I'm wanted, right? Like everyone wants yeah. to feel that little like wantedness right. of of connection, right? Hmm. But is that the depth of that connection, right, that is circumvented by this system of, like, notifications because it makes you want to, like, be attached to the phone yeah. is not as real as, per se, like, this conversation, right, we're having right now. Right. You know, like, I, I think it's easy to self-filter and self-select, you know, the the bubbles and things like that or the, the echo chambers, I guess, is the better way of saying it. And yeah. we, I, I think it's important to recognize what their what their usefulness is for but then also be upfront about what you want to get out of them because it's easy yeah. to get pulled into them and just kind of wrapped up by it. like you i mean you did a really you've done a lot of work on it like just trying to self-select out of the systems and yeah. see whether or not like it was worth your time mm-hmm. and i and i think that takes a lot of awareness and effort yeah. Because it's not easy to get off of them. It really no, it's isn't. <laughs> it's really not. Like, I, I don't know. Did you have issues? Like, did you feel like the itch to want to keep, like, wanting to log in? Because I find myself, I don't use them very often, and mm-hmm. I mostly use it to do stuff for the podcast, but yeah. I, I'll find myself when I'm bored, in quotes, just, and just, jo- I just go straight to those things, and I just yeah. check, I just do, like, a, a loop. I'm yeah. like, Facebook, Instagram, repeat, you know? And I just, like, <laughs> right. I'm like, why did I just, and I, I'll, I'll close it. I'll, I'll, like, close Instagram, and then immediately my brain just, like, back open it. Open I'm, it up, I'm yeah. like, why the fuck? did i just do that there's nothing there five seconds ago like there's nothing, <laughs> nothing new. new to see or just keep refreshing it you're like oh, right maybe something I'm, I'm like what the fuck i'm like i'm not getting anything from this right now yeah. like this is not worth my time yeah but yet there i am just that little monkey in my brain is like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. it's crazy it's it's nuts yeah like, I, w- I wonder if you can classify it as a drug but like i don't know classification maybe but maybe in the future we might be able to right you know like some measuring dopamine levels in the brain yeah kind of like, no, <laughs> which is adds a, a whole nother can of worms because if we're measuring dopamine levels in the brain then fuck yeah, we're measuring- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this would be dope i wonder i wonder if you could um but yeah i mean it's not it's not it, it was like so i got off facebook i have facebook i'm just never on it nope but I know I was like thrown off. I had to text you. I was like, I could tag your name again. What yeah, happened? Yeah, no, I like I had to find someone on Facebook, so I had to make it, and then I just never deactivated again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it like me getting off it initially was not like I'm gonna get off it today. It was like 
I was thinking about it for months. Right. You know I mean, or maybe, yeah, a long time. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to delete it. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. And then finally I was like, okay, <laughs> like today's mm-hmm. a day. You know what I mean? I think that's the big, biggest thing. You just got to commit. Mm-hmm. Cause if you just say, I'll get to it eventually, you'll never get to it. Right. Because it's just such an ingrained part of our society. Like, oh, did you see this thing on Facebook? Like it'll come up in conversation. Yeah. And then you just got to tell people, like, I'm not on it. Like, yeah. don't even think about me on it. <laughs> and it honestly, it's nice. I bet. It's nice to not know more on the negative stuff. Now, mm-hmm. when stuff like you're talking about, uh, we talked about this, I think it was before we started podcasting, but we talked about it earlier, how it was the first time uh, two women. Uh, yeah, when, a space on a spacewalk. Walk. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that. And a lot of times you get info like that from, mm-hmm. like, if you don't watch the news, your news comes from, like, Facebook or something like that. You know, yeah. I, mean? I don't I don't watch the news. Neither so, do I. Yeah, stuff like that is like, I wish I, like, I want to see stuff like that. But then you have the negative stuff that's going on. Yeah. And I don't see that anymore. And it's good to be aware of those things. But it also is good, at least for me, yeah. to not be. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's really important because, like, the way I think about news, and this comes from, I believe, Tim Ferriss, he talked mm-hmm. about it. He's like, he would take newsless fasts, right? So you don't watch the news. You don't go into, like, the major news platforms or anything yeah. like that. If it's need to know, someone else will tell you about it. Yeah, I like that. You know, because yeah. like if it's really that important, someone mm-hmm. else is going to tell you and you're going to hear about just enough of what you need to know right. to be able to be like, okay. And then if you really want to look it up further, then you can go fucking Google it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, that's as deep as it goes because yeah. everything on the news or the standard news channel that is like Facebook and shit like that mm-hmm. is just all negative. Like for yeah. the most part, it's all just stuff that's just going to bring your mood down. Yeah. And what I've been thinking about a lot is kind of like this idea of your attention span. And if you're putting in all this negative garbage, then you're just limiting the other, like the available bandwidth that you can actually think about things that are productive to you. Yeah. Right. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. Like I've been, I listened to a, a separate podcast with um, Tristan Harris and he is kind of one of these first wave um, entrepreneur. Uh, he helped do like startup stuff back in the early two thousands with like the Twitter starters, the Instagram starters and all these guys who are now getting kind of vilified, right? Like we're mm-hmm. talking about this stuff where like, have they made an addictive platform? Yeah. You know, you can be the judge of that listener. Um, <laughs> but he's he's one of these people that instead of like talking about this stuff and saying, these are all bad and like we got to change things and do all that. He's not just a talking head. He's actually positioned himself to be in the government and talking about how these companies can try and incentivize changing how they've structured the platforms. Right. Um, and he quotes something from uh, a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which I'm reading. It's somewhere over here. Yeah. You, you moved it, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah. So that's a book from Neil Postman. And the book is actually written in 1985. It's oh, pretty old. I didn't realize how old it was. Yeah. But Neil Postman is this kind of this prolific writer. And this entire book is built on the premise. So what Tristan Harris had kind of laid out is like we're between two worlds. So you have the uh, 1984 with the George Orwellian like psychology where yeah. the big brother controls everything and he doesn't want you to read books because mm-hmm. he's like, those ideas are are evil, right? Think China, I guess, is probably okay. the closest, <laughs> yeah. closest to real example of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other end of the spectrum with Aldous Huxley. And his thing is saying, it, we get into a world where there's just so much information that we just are so distracted by everything that we choose not to read books anyways. 
or get new ideas that are worth valuing because we're just so bombarded that we just opt out and twiddle our thumbs and get binge watch Netflix. Yeah. Or we get on Facebook and get in arguments and then you just get into more arguments and get yeah. into more arguments yeah. and get into more arguments and never do anything about it. Yeah. Because you're just so triggered all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the podcast turns into this conversation about how these platforms have turned into self-fulfilling prophecies that kill themselves because they're capturing mm -hmm. human, t human attention span by shoveling negative content to us because that's what people respond to. They commented, making negative remarks on those posts. Mm -hmm. They start arguments and then that starts a conversation about negative things and they just get caught in this loop. And so he talks about human attention span being the commodity of these platforms. But the problem is there's no ejection loop where people get triggered about the event mm -hmm. and then they should be so triggered that they want to go do something about it in the real world. Right. But it's too easy to stay inside of the digital platform that there's only so many people on the planet. Right. <laughs> and so if you're circumventing attention span to go do something real in the world, then you're going to kill the planet, right? Like we have all these problems that need to be solved, you know, environmental issues, mm -hmm. energy issues, food issues, yeah. all those, whatever issues is. Yeah. And now with these platforms are circumventing our attention span that we aren't actually going to make meaningful impacts in the world because we're just stuck on having a Facebook argument. Right. And I'm using Facebook as this, the easy example here, but medium, but yeah, <laughs> social media. Yeah. Right. And so I kind of sat there and was like, Oh my God. And it's, and it's not the set fact. Like when I painted this picture of like this between Orwell and Huxley worldview of like big people don't want us to read certain information and we're just super distracted. So we don't get to do anything meaningful. Yeah. We're somewhere in the middle, like realistically. But it's still, it's like, fuck. Because, <laughs> like, I look at that problem, I'm like, oh, my God. They've created this system that's just eating its own tail. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, like the Ouroboros. Yeah. Um, I wonder I wonder if they created it or if it was already there and they just made it easier. I think it's accidental. I don't think it, they went in with the intention of it. Right. They just found out, oh, this is what's working. And mm -hmm. then they created algorithms that helped do what was working because their their uh, monetization structures about clicks and yeah. just doing that kind of stuff so that it just they just did what is already working so right. and now it's just turned like the the byproduct of that is it becomes this negative you know self-fulfilling prophecy kind of stuff yeah. it doesn't have to be that way but that's just kind of that's what's shaken out of the yeah i think that actually that might go back to why people are attracted to the darkness in Ooh. my characters or anything because you know like misery loves company right mm -hmm. so oh that is a really good point you have you have your people who whoever it is like the specific person aside right there's always someone that you can think of who always has something bad to say about something mm -hmm. no matter what it is and it's right. like they're just always like complaining or always looking at the bad side of something it's mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like say you're going on a trip to wherever right it doesn't matter well, where yeah, you're wherever you're going <laughs> in the world you know what i mean and your flight gets delayed 30 minutes and they just can't get over that the flight got delayed yeah but it's like dude you're going to x like wherever you're going right you're going on a trip a lot of people in the world never never leave their state let alone their country you know what i mean yeah like, like look at the bright side of it like you're doing something that's awesome you can wait the 30 freaking minutes you know what mm -hmm. i mean or whatever 
but you have that person who just harps on it like, oh, this sucks. Like, why can't this airline get it together? You know, and they just, yeah. just like they just perpetuate this negativity. I mean, you've it's seen like, this like in the people who like service industry, like someone who's like their order gets messed yeah. up by a little bit, yeah, and they're just they just can't let it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you see, I mean, you, you see, it, it's everywhere, dude. It's like yeah. it's not even just customers, like servers are the same way. You know, oh, I, I bet. Get so yeah. negative about something. I'm like, dude, you made. 300 bucks in four hours shut up <laughs> I mean, like literally like divide do the math look how much money you just made right someone gave you an issue because they wanted water when they were when they paid or whatever whatever but it's like dude just just shut up and do it you made so much money like mm-hmm. like look at that side of it don't look at the negative yeah. i mean i'm i'm you know i do it too but we every, all do it every day it. Yeah, or to, at some time yeah i'm not trying to act above it i'm just saying um it's i feel like that's always been there for people. Like it's just easy. It's, it's a talking point. Like you know when you're when you're sitting around, and you know you get those silences where there's really nothing to say. Yeah. You know what I mean. And then someone's like, "Oh man, you know what I saw yesterday?" And it's right. always something. But it's never. You know what I mean. Like most of the times, it's something to complain it's, about. It's usually something like, "Oh my god, someone cut me off at work, right?" Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> "Oh, the way like, to work. Oh, that sucked." But then it gets people talking. You know what I right. mean? So it's 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 interesting and i wonder that's super interesting actually why like what part of the brain well we do have collectively makes people we do have this thing that's called a negativity bias like it's a normal it's like an actual known psychological phenomenon and the reason it's been explained at least biologically speaking is that if we're monkeys in africa right apes and we're trying to survive it's more beneficial for us to be always looking for the next source of danger because back then, you know, we were sitting out on the ground and, you know, we didn't have sharp teeth or claws or mm-hmm. ways to defend ourselves. So we had to be on alert for the next thing that tried to eat us, you know, uh-huh. i.e. tigers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if the, you're, you're the ape who's just like, everything's going to be good and mm-hmm. you're just like skipping along, you, well, you're, you're lunch, yeah. basically, right? So unfortunately, our biological programming that kept us alive up until the point that we could make all this technology was doing great. But now this old software that we're still running in the background doesn't help us like be productive in the modern world. Because if we're looking for the next negative thing to come up, it's not the same level of negativity about like, how am I going to survive? Right. We're, (laughs) it's a whole different level. (laughs) And so we kind of like, we have to try and figure out like, is this really worth like, asking yourself the question like is this really worth spending my attention on yeah you know or like i don't know the way i kind of look at some of these larger scale problems like the ones i laid out it's less about like the global or national level problem of it i think about how can i change it for myself and how can i change it for those around me you know and right. and because like the national scale of it is just so ridiculously complex that Anything I say about it is just going to make more noise. That's not yeah. worth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just not going to get to the people that need to know, mm-hmm. and it's just not going to solve anything. It's right. just going to make it more confusing for other people. Right, right. So the best we can do is kind of lay it out and say, "Here's what we're thinking it is like," and then let the people who are actually able to make changes. Hopefully, they're on the same page or something. Yeah. But like for the most part, it's like up to the individual and the people that you're connected to closely to try and make the changes for yourselves because those ripple effects bubble outwards at a much greater pace than what the large scale changes are going to do. Yeah. You know, that's, and, and that's like, that's speaking about all this stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause it's easy to be so far removed from something. Yeah. So when it's close to home, you like have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Positively or negatively, but you have to, you know, like if your right. mom tells you something, 
you don't just dismiss it. Right, you can't hand most wave it away time. anymore. Most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> unless, <it's like> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. unless she's telling you to do dishes for the 50th yeah. time. And, and it's like, okay. <laughs> dishes still not done. <laughs> you know what I mean? But outside of that, it's right. like when it's close to home, you have to pay attention, which, I mean, this is all relating, but it goes back to, you know, where the issue with social media comes because you can be separated. Mm-hmm. You can be like on Instagram, for example, to like get off Facebook's back. You can create this whole life that you want to have right or that you want i mean you could put portray. life through a filter Le- yeah, legitimately literally, literally. <laughs> and that may not really be you mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just like snapshots of you you know yeah. what i mean like however many posts you have it's that many snaps of you that you want to highlight in your life you know what i mean yeah not an issue with it They're, like i actually love it i think it's really cool to do that and to say like this uh, these other parts of my personality or whatever that I want to highlight that I want you to know. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it does remove you from saying like, but there's still all of this that makes me who I am. Right. So uh, you talked about, um, you brought up how, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but he's trying to like go with government and see. Tristan Harris. Tristan Harris, how like how they can change what they started to like make it better. Yeah. What Instagram is doing is they're, I think they're doing it in like some regions, but it's not, is it the like it. button? Is yeah. It, yeah, I've heard you I've heard a lot of this yeah, coming up. So you like you can't see. So like if I'm looking at your Instagram page, I can't see how many people liked your post, but oh, you can see it. Okay, so it's hidden from the viewers, yeah. but not the person who right. owns it. Right, but then it okay. makes it a little more comfortable. You know, because I don't know if we think this like personally, but I'm sure there are people out there who are nervous to post something because like I'm only going to get five likes and then I'm going to look like a loser. You know what I mean? Right. I, I can see that being a younger person's problem. I mean, even... I mean, I could see other people. I, I don't know too many people that think about it that way too I much. I think of who we interact with, we don't care right. too yeah. much. But there's, I promise, there are people who really genuinely care about that, yeah. who won't post something or who will delete something because it didn't get many likes, Yeah, regardless of how they felt about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's it's kind of, it's normal. You can relate it to, say, like... It's different, but it's kind of this. It's a little. It's similar to as if you were giving a speech after someone who gave a great speech. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like, here's one picture. It's got two thousand <laughs> likes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then you're right below me up two. You're like, oh fuck. Right now, this person comes up and gives this amazing speech, and everyone's like, wow, that was awesome. And then you go up, and you're like, uh, hi. <laughs> you, know I mean? like, you know what I mean? And you're yeah. like all shaky, and you're sweating, and you know you're not as you know you composed about or anything it as much or yeah. whatever. It's similar to that where it's like you want to do well and you want you want to be receptive well. I think mm-hmm. even more so. I think people worry like worry about their reception more than their yeah. performance. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, well, it's kind of like what, what I was talking about before to you with like there's a scale of like what do you believe in performance or like high performance to you? Mm-hmm. And it's like on the horizontal axis you have the the process or the the standard, like the outcome, right? And then a vertical axis, you have a you, like your your expectation of it or the world's expectation of it. And the world is whatever arena you're playing in. Yeah. So it could be your classroom for a speech or it could be your coworkers for a thing at work, yeah. wherever, right? And so when you're putting too much emphasis on how others are perceiving you, and then the outcome, right? You're if you're looking at this like four quadrants, you're like way down in the bottom left corner. Yes. <laughs> and then what you should really be trying to do is push your expectation to what how you're showing up in that. Like maybe you've never done a goddamn speech in your life. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're even up there doing it and you're nervous, 
that's fucking awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> like all you can do is go up from here, right? Like being at like the bottom of that well again, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're gonna always be getting better, but the problem is, is most people don't start. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you're gonna never like the, that's one of the things that I had to like do when I started working out. Like I, I keep thinking back to this is like, or use this as an example is like, I had to remember or realize that that huge guy across the gym, who's like, you know, <laughs> 300 pounds and yeah. just ripped out of his mind. Yeah. His first day in the gym was probably five, 10 years ago. Yeah. My first day in the gym is today. Yeah. Right. And so like me comparing myself to him is not even a contest because he's been doing it five times as long as I have, yeah. you know, and it's not to mention all the other stuff that he's probably been doing before, before that, like, it just, it just doesn't help to compare yourself to someone else because we don't know what other people's starting line was like right. ever. Like you never know, really, unless you get a chance to talk to that person for real, right? Going right. back to the, <laughs> yeah. like have a conversation, like, "Hey, man, where'd you start?" Yeah, yeah. I, you, I feel like it's dangerous to compare yourself to others too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we'll do it naturally. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that. because yeah. you have to. Yeah, no, to some yeah, degree. it's good in some. You know, like I compare myself, you know, in in my avenues of what I want to do in life. I'll compare myself now to the guys, the people I look up to. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, where do I stand between them? But I don't let it, I don't let it get to the point where I'm discouraged because I'm like, wow, they're so great. And I'm just. You don't know, idolize them to the fact that like, oh. That they're human. Yeah. Like I'll never be like them. So I shouldn't even try. Yeah. And it's, I've always thought this way Um, to, from anything I've done. I feel like a lot of people. Let me make like a, a down to earth example. So, okay. So like, you know how you, everyone has their celebrity crush, right? Yeah. You know, whatever. Right. And like people are like, you're, you're in a relationship and they're like, oh, I don't care if you like them. You'll never meet them. They yes. make, they make these celebrities, whoever it is, seem like so much larger than life. Mm -hmm. And, or they're like, or on, the, on a different token, they're like, oh, I don't know what I would do if I met them. I'd, I want to be able to talk. And I'm right. like, why do we look at them as more than just people? Like at the end mm -hmm. of the day, they're people. So to make the point, you know, I look at people I idolize and compare myself to them. Right. And that helps me realize like, it's just another person who at one time they wrote their first script. Right. They, you know, wrote their first song and they, you know, at some point Joe Rogan did his first podcast. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, now he's a little different cause he didn't start with podcasting, but right. Saying in that field, he yeah. had to start somewhere. And so it's good to compare yourself but it's also good to be realistic and say mm -hmm. like, this is where I'm at. This is what I relate to them. This is how I'm different. And this is, you know, what I highlight, like my highlights and stuff like right. that. And to improve on that and to look at it in a positive light and getting, I'm just trying to connect things, like trying to make, <laughs> make sense of what's going on in my mind. <laughs> so but like <laughs> going to like the negative things where, if you're always around negative, it's harder to when you're making that comparison because it's natural. It's going to happen no mm -hmm. matter if you want it to or not. No matter who you are. Yeah, it's just it just happens. You always are comparing yourself to whoever you idolize or who you want to be like or even the opposite, even who you don't like. You're comparing yourself and saying like, well, I don't want to be like that. Um, but when you're trying to improve and then you always have these negative things pulling you, it's going to start swaying your your mindset. Yeah. Right. So then your thoughts are going to start becoming negative all the time. And that's what starts conversations. And that's what's interesting on Facebook. And that's everything you see. Of course, <laughs> you're going to start thinking that way. Right. Yeah. And then right. it's going to it starts trickling into whatever you're trying to do in life, whatever. Getting a new job. I'm not. What's the point of getting the interview? I'm not going to get the job. Why mm -hmm. not? Why do you think that way? You know what I mean? Why do people think that way? Um, and I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. 
to some degree. Yeah. You know, and I, I've written about this partly too. It's like, you know, you kind of get in there and the way I kind of see it is kind of like your worldview shrinks. Like your worldview is like, normally you can kind of think about like you and your family or you and your friends. Yeah. But when you're in this really like negative headspace, you kind of, everything kind of just yeah. pulls in and it feels like you have only what's between your head. Like it's mm -hmm. like, basically do you just have this column and everything else is just darkness and yeah. your thoughts are just stuck on a, a repeating looping pattern of like, I'm not worthy. Like basically I'm not worthy for yeah. anything. Yeah. And you just get stuck in there and it's so easy to, to, to listen to that voice in your head and be like, Oh yeah. Like maybe I'm, you're right. I am not. Like, mm -hmm. And then you just start digging your own hole and you're just like, it just gets to a point where you're just, no matter any thought that even no matter how good it is, you're going to just be like, uh -uh. like mm -hmm. it's, you can figure out a way to do some mental gymnastics and like figure out how it's negative or like, it's not even worth it. Yeah. You know? And I wrote about this when I did a guest post for Diana Fernandez's website. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I'm talking about it in the way I did. Cause that's how I talked about it there, <laughs> which is, is crazy. Cause like, I don't know. It's just like when we have these things, like these negative thoughts or voices that like pain for a lack of a better term, you, you need to exercise it or it becomes like a festering wound. Yeah. Like it's just going to sit there and rot and eat you through to the core. And if you just hold on to it and like hug it to death, yeah. you're just going to eat yourself away. You know, and that's what happens when you're like Arthur Fleck, like yeah. <laughs> at the most extreme end of that scenario, mm -hmm. right? And either you're going to take it out on others or you're going to take it out on yourself and then you, you know, good night. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not pretty and I, I just don't, it, it sucks. Like it really sucks that some people don't know how to get out of it, you know, and I don't mm -hmm. know how I got out of my own, you know, dark spiral that I had had. And obviously it's nothing nearly as terrible or traumatic as kind <laughs> <laughs> of shoot someone uh, other train. people. Right. Like, no, like not even close, but <laughs> you know, you can't, like we talked about this, like, you know, getting triggered or mm -hmm. what people celebrate or is a big deal to one person is yeah. not the same thing as a big deal to another person. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and so for me to say, it's not as bad as someone else's is true. That is super true. But it doesn't mean that it was the darkest period in my own life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so to come out of that is kind of like one of those things like, honestly, it's helped me empathize because I can't honestly tell you the, the person I was before that time period and the person I was after that time period, it feels like completely different people, right? You know, because I've done so much work and trying to figure myself out and all of the above that it's just like, whoa, yeah. Who like where where's that person and where did yeah. he go? You know, but it's also given me the tools back to like why it is good to experience hardship. Yeah. It's given me the tools to understand someone else's pain. Yeah. And then every time I come across someone who's like once I get to know them, you mm -hmm. know, back to this yeah. developing connection, mm -hmm. once I get to know someone, normally those stories come out of people and you're like, "Oh shit. You are in quotation marks just as broken as I was, even though on the surface you seem completely normal right? and you've got, you've dealt with your own shit and you've come out and on top of it basically. And I'm like, fuck, that's like, I don't know. It, it gets me fired up. Like when yeah. I hear stories about people like men mentors and stuff, like when I hear stories about people going through difficult things that they weren't given, mm -hmm. like they didn't choose to deal with, mm -hmm. you know, that's why we have the exploring the precarity of human experience on here because yeah. that's, you know, it's the things that life throw at you and you just have to figure out how to deal with them. Yeah. Like that's really what it comes out to. I and like I, that's life. 
Like, right. That's literally it, life. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and so for me, it kind of gets to that, that level almost every time because when you hear those stories of like, for lack of a better term, from hell to hope, you're like, fuck. Because it lights me up because yeah. it's like, you know, back to Kevin Hines, which you mentioned, which mm-hmm. everyone should go listen to because it's like one of the most impactful stories I've ever listened to in audio form. And yeah. if I listened to it tomorrow, I'd probably still cry. <laughs> I <probably would> too. <laughs> like it's, it's intense, but it's like because of that intensity and rawness of experience that it's like, fuck. Cause we, we've all been there yeah. or at least imagine us taking us to that point where we could have done that. Right. You know? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's nuts, but it um I lost my train of thought. I was gonna say something. I was gonna make a point and I lost it. No. <laughs> what was it about? It was right before the. What did you say right before the Kevin Hines thing? It was uh like going to the darkness and connecting, um from hell to hope. Oh, I got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, so I was gonna. So it was before that, but when you said how it's like, you don't necessarily know, you know, how you got from A to B, yeah. so to speak. Um, it's interesting because right now I'm trying to become more positive, mm-hmm. right? So what I contribute that to, what I'm doing is you actually brought this up with your mindfulness that, uh, course that you did in Seattle. Yeah. Um, is just being present. Mm-hmm. And I've really been focusing on just being wherever I'm at. Yeah. Um, and trying not to, because I used to always be like, okay, so I'd be, you know, whatever I'm doing. Say we're hanging out, we'd be in the midst of conversations and in my head, you know, when I, more so when I used to do music, but in my head, I'd be like, all right, what's a new song I could do? And like, as I'm talking, I would be thinking about Like that. it's just running in the background kind of, yeah. and you're just kind of working through it. Yeah. Or like, how could I perform better? Or something like yeah. that, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it didn't allow me to be present. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, so I mean, speak. it dulls the moment. Yeah. And so, and so that made me negative all the time. Cause I was always thinking about the next thing. So I'm like, find myself complaining a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to back up and on that and just be more positive. And so by doing that, I'm always like, okay, whatever I'm doing right now is where I need to be at right now. Mm-hmm. And it's actually helping me come up with more stories. So it's working. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because it's like I'm taking in information that I might have just glossed over or not retained. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that'd be interesting. I can use that as a line of dialogue or that might be a scene I can implement or maybe not necessarily a whole story, but But like tidbits of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, the characters you meet. Yeah. I mean, Eric Carrera, sorry, but you're going to be a character one day, buddy. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yes. I already have a character mostly based on (laughs) him. But no, it's, it's, I didn't anticipate that's not the reason I started it. Right. But I'm already seeing um, benefits from it. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I feel like, I mean, when you said that, I didn't even realize how important that was going to be until Mm -hmm. I thought about it. I'm like, let me just try that. Let me just be where my feet are. I love that saying, dude. I just, I just, I I don't know what it is about that saying, but it just can snaps to me back right where I, because like I, so I've been doing this for about, since March or so where I was like, put this down as like this be present kind of thing mm-hmm. where I gave myself the goal. Initially it was just doing like the, I think I did headspace. Yeah. Headspace app for 30 days straight. And I was like, all right, well, you know, there's these CEOs and business types, high performers all over the world. I kept hearing this thing in, in podcasts. Um, they're like, do you have like a mindfulness or something that keeps you grounded? And maybe some of them didn't have like a mindfulness or be present practice, but they did something that 
maybe they didn't call it those things, but maybe it was like going to the gym, going for a walk. They did something in the shower or they did something right when they woke up. Yeah. They had this thing where they just did nothing for five minutes or something. Some of them do it for like 20. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? Because in my head, I'm like, I can't sit still for five minutes. I got to get be doing stuff, right? Yeah. Like that's 10, 20 minutes I could go do something, right? Yeah. But then I started like the, the real reason it was just like, well, if these top performers all over the world can make five minutes that are supposedly busier or higher quality than me, right? Yeah. Back to that judging yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then I can make five minutes at least, yeah. you know? And so I kind of said, okay, there's gotta be something to this. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, me and you are probably pretty similar with the type A where we always want to be doing stuff like because as soon as you're explaining the music stuff we're like okay what's another thing i can be doing or what's the next thing like i do that all the time yeah i can't help it (laughs) but like being able to just shut off the internal checklist of what do i need to be doing next Mm -hmm. even for an hour is so rewarding like i've been doing so my most recent exploration in all of this has been kind of driven backwards is into like first getting into sauna therapy kind of stuff where I would sit in the sauna for like 10 minutes and just kind of zone out in there. Yeah. And then I do more traditional mindfulness stuff with like meditative practices, like focusing on the breathing. Mm-hmm. Lately it's been yoga. Uh, so oh, I've really? been taking yoga for almost two months now, like three or four times a week. Yeah. And they're just guided classes through lifetime. And you go there and you show up at the time that the class is there. There's an instructor and you kind of go through the mo- motions of the movements mm-hmm. and you can look around at all the classmates. So if you've never done yoga before, you're good. <laughs> and you just try to struggle through it because <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing going yeah. into it. Um, but it turns into this like moving meditation type stuff and they really help you focus on breathing. Like in the beginning of the class, it's like they help you kind of do some mindfulness present work. And then you kind of are trying to do the movements and, and the breathing at the same time, hmm. which in the better, like the more interesting part, which kind of doubles down on what we were talking about, like letting te- not letting technology run your life. Yeah. You can't be paying attention to your phone for the hour. Right. Like I throw my phone in my bag and it stays in my bag and it doesn't leave my bag for that whole hour. So yeah. there's like a, an hour of my time where if you wanted to get a hold of me, I'm sorry, just not happening. Like, mm-hmm. and it's freaking awesome. Like, I love it. Like mm-hmm. the fact that I can go to this class, like I can have like this, horrible crappy day at work like where i'm just running around like a crazy person and just busier than all hell yeah and i know i'm going to be leaving work for one thing there's like two double-edged swords at this it's like one i know i can't stay at work extra late because i know i'm going to be going to this class yeah and two i know that when i get to this class it's like the power down routine Mm -hmm. that's going to like change my mood for the rest of the day that's interesting you know what i mean and so it turns into this whole thing where like i can just be so frazzled and like oh my god today was just you know back to the negativity stuff like today was just such a hard day like i was running like crazy and i didn't get anything done yeah i get to this class i throw my phone in my bag and i don't even wear my headphones and i like i don't know i just it just helps me just power down for the rest of the evening and i just feel like floating through the rest of my evening like i don't have any like it doesn't matter what happens for the rest of the day because everything's just going to be like, as, like everything is happening as it should be. Right. And I'm enjoying because I go with my friend Sydney when we go together and they're like we wind up having like dinner at the end of the day mm-hmm. and then we just talk for like a couple hours and then that's the end of the day. Right. And it turns into this like really present thing where I don't worry about my phone. I'm not checking social yeah. media. It's just like it's so different than anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. You're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Way. Yeah. It's so it's very different. It's interesting. It, 
I mean, I guess that just points to the fact that it works. You know right. I mean? And I don't think enough people do that where they can just really be where they are. Yeah. You know I mean, and again, it's not to, to the fault of anyone because I feel like we're in a fast paced culture. It's just a society. Living, yeah. It's just how things have built up with this hyper productivity based society where it's like you need to be. It's like the, I, I think, did I tell you about this? Where the old mentality of performance was you have to do more to be more. Yeah. Right? Where you have to just output consistently. Mm-hmm. Sleep less, right? You tried yeah. this. Did not work. <laughs> like, Backfired hard. Yeah. Like sleep less, you know, do more. Like take, be the first one in and the last one out. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Right? I do believe in that. Story. I mean, I do. I, I'm i not saying don't do that, yeah. but like there's, there's trade-offs here. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> You know, like if you're doing all these things, you're going to just turn into a burnout mess. And yeah. then you, by the time you're 35, you're going to just, you know, be exhausted. check yourself into somewhere because you need to rehab <laughs> yeah. for different reasons. Not for drugs, but like yeah. or maybe <laughs> maybe for maybe drugs. You needed drugs. To yeah, get through it. it's true. Um, I just think there's a there's a limit. Like I've been trying to build this awareness for myself. Like if I could like a broad encompass all of the things that I've been doing, it's just becoming adding an awareness to your like physical body and also your mental like landscape. Like how are you in this moment showing up? And like, sometimes you're going to notice like you're just not, you're just not all there. Like you're just going to be frazzled a little bit and you're just not sleep well or Mm -hmm. something happened. And you're just like, well, I'm just not performing as well as I normally would be. And you just take it in stride and you do what you can. So like for me, it's like if I hit about 10 hours of work, I, I'm just not going to do, That's it. <laughs> I'm just not going to do any much better. Like I could yeah. stay at work and try to get more done, but mm-hmm. the quality of that work isn't really going to matter right. that much more. Like your peak performance is from this time to this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and if I'm like, I'm like, I could stay two more hours, but like, is it really going to make a difference? Because that's just taking away from tomorrow then, you know? Mm. Cause it's like, if I go home now and do like my, try to gain back and recover properly tomorrow morning, I'll be refreshed and recharged so I can get after it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's actually <laughs> really interesting. That's something I need to take note of because, and I feel like a lot of people do. So I'll try to stress, like stretch out, like, mm-hmm. you know, okay. So I feel like we all love flow state. Like when you, we when all you do. whenever you're doing <laughs> whatever it is you're doing and you just get in that groove and you're oh, just yeah. like, Oh, I got it. And you don't even like that that time fades yeah that's like being (laughs) present at its like most um peak yeah at its optimal or yeah at its purest form there you go present when you hit that flow state Mm because you literally you don't even realize you're not thinking about it you're Mm -hmm. not actively trying to say i'm here right now you're just a conduit for what's ever happening and then like literally like and then you look and you're like oh shit 20 minutes went by or like an hour went by and i've just been there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's weird so um i took alex for her birthday to a uh uh, paint and sip. Yeah, I saw that. That yeah. was so cool. That's super cool. So I don't, I'm not, I don't do stuff like I don't draw, I don't paint, I don't do stuff right. like that. I'm not good at it. But she is. She's really yeah. like an amazing um, painter. I saw the artist. story you posted and it was really good. Yeah. So when we did that, I think I enjoyed it more than she did. What? Because I was like, this is awesome. And I was just doing <laughs> a flow state and I was, <laughs> I, I never would have, like, I thought I was going to be so detached and like uninterested and be like, wow, I suck at this. And so what we what we uh, painted was like a black light witch for mm-hmm. Halloween spooky. Um, spooky. So yeah, so it was really cool. And so to do like it was a it's a profile of a witch with the hat mm-hmm. and the hair kind of flows down and you do like your kind of neon background or whatever. Mm-hmm. So doing the profile of the face, 
Alex was telling me doing profiles are actually really hard to make them look realistic. Oh, wow. Drawing-wise, she, I mean, she's taking some oh, drawing classes. Oh, because to add dimension to it? Yeah, so she was saying it's actually could be really hard. So to speak to that, the the, the instructor had a template mm-hmm. where you just traced it and made the face. Okay. And I was like, no, I want to actually see what I do on my own. Like, I want to just, I don't want the template. I want to just do it. Right. And I did it, and it like the instructor walked by, and she's like, "Oh, you didn't use a template." I was like, "Oh no." She's like, "That's really good," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it just felt good. And then after that, I was just like in it, and I was adding, you know, textures that she didn't instruct us to, because she like helped you like guide put the it. line here and put the line here, and then connect them or whatever okay. to make it work. Yeah, and I was like adding things, and I'm like, "No, I can do that." This and I was I'm just like, like I'm picturing that SpongeBob gif where he's like drawing for his tea. paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was I didn't expect to be so into it. Yeah, but I was, and I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if that necessarily means I'm going to become an artist, right. but I found out that I enjoy it. Right. You know, I mean, I, mean? I think half of exploring something new. Right. Like, so like kind of going back to like the yoga thing for me, like it's something so new to me and like working out is kind of this routinized thing for me now. Right. Like I've done it for almost four years. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, there's a certain part of me that's like, okay, I kind of have enough knowledge here that I can kind of make up any workout I want and kind of do what I want to do in a given day. Yeah. So as, as I see fit. Right. right. But Yoga is this whole different area that I've never explored, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I've explored calisthenics-like movements, but not anything in the form of yoga. Right. So, like, jumping into that thing and being just a beginner and just being like, I have no idea, like, and then having an instructor there, because yeah. I've never done any of this with, like, an instructor guiding me through anything. Mm-hmm. You know, most of it's kind of been just solo learning. Yeah. Makes it feel really fun, because it's like, for the first time ever, I'm actually kind of, like, in a group, and then noticing, like, oh, whoa, like... One, I can do things I never thought I would be able to do, but also it's still challenging, even though I've had all of this background experience mm-hmm. in like, you know, getting awareness of the body. Yeah. Like it's just such a different, right? It's like a different experience. Like you're, you're a creative person, yeah. but like for you to jump into drawing and uh, painting for mm-hmm. that matter is like that same level of like, oh, I'm doing something new and I'm going to push myself. Yeah. Right. Like you took it upon yourself to add other uh, extra layers of challenge. Yeah. Again, and, and I think that shows something about your character. Yeah. just being able to like i want to try and do my best right <laughs> yeah it, it takes you back to day one yeah and like i feel like the first day you do something so it, it it's that enjoyment that you never really get again yeah you know the first day that you that you're like oh i'm gonna do a podcast and the first time you did it you're probably like what the fuck that was awesome <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like you're just like <laughs> hype and like stoked and not to say that you don't get excited each and every time but it's not the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You could say that about other things. But <laughs> <laughs> if you get what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's it's You just have to t- You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But it's I feel like the first time you do something and then like you kinda crave that. And I feel yeah. like that's where That's interesting. Like obsession in a sense comes right. from healthy well, that, obsession. That's where addiction comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I take it to the extreme. Yeah. So yeah, it literally can go both ways. You yeah. know what I mean? So when you take it positively, you're trying to create things or you're trying to do things that you're like always searching for that, that feeling that you had the first time you did mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? You're like, I want to recreate that feeling. Um, and that, that can be for anything. Like even for athletes, like the first time they threw a touchdown, every other touchdown after that is not going to feel <laughs> like the first one. You know what I mean? Yep. But you're chasing that feeling and saying, I want to repeat that, you know, Damn. 
diminishing returns, right? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't, it's so, man, that's so, I might get a loss for words right now because like, as you were thinking, as like you were saying on like this, like that's not the first time you did a podcast. Like yeah. when we're talking about some of these ideas, it's like, shit. Like, I had this thought as I was going on a, on a tirade. I'm like, it's like something when, when me and you have conversations, we go mm-hmm. on these really deep, like ideological, like yeah. veins of thought that. Yeah put me into like that flow state where I'm talking about these things that I've been like bubbling in my brain yeah. for a long time and haven't had an outlet for them. Right, put them out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, like we're just here and we can riff back and forth with these yeah. ideas. And it's like, it gets me really charged up. Yeah. Like you can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it goes to being present too, because it's one of those things where um, if you're not present, you don't have the opportunity to necessarily, um, fully think about where mm-hmm. whatever it is that's on your mind you know right. because you're always worried about what's coming on next so like you don't you just don't have the time which you know you know people who are super busy and you know have like i have this I have to do and this I have to do and this I have to do and this I have to do <laughs> it's hard for them to do that but that, when you right. that, that was me <laughs> yeah. like i'm serious like i i just feel like there's like this person before i had an outlet to some degree and then like the person after yeah. Cause like I, I've met people who I don't like have super regular contact with and like still keep touch with if they moved away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, they've talked to me, like they're not close group to our friends or anything right. like that, but not they look enough. Yeah. They're like, I'm just on the outskirt of yeah. like the close group. And they kind of talk to me and they're like, you've, you've done a lot of work. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, and I have to like stop and think about it. I'm like, Hmm. Cause like, I just, you know, I'm always thinking about something and working yeah. through like, how do I, how do I do one of my newer things is like be 1% better. Right. So like if you think about compounding interest, Mm -hmm. if you try to be just 1% better than you were yesterday in whatever domain, you just obviously you can't pick everything. I mean, I'd love to do that. But (laughs) (laughs) but like if you if you just pick a thing and you're like, I'm going to do 1% better today in this thing or try to be then over time. Right. You take you take 365 days, you're 365 percent better than you were. Right. The last year. <laughs> the yeah. last year. Huh. And so you just do that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're like making these strides and gains that everyone else on the outside who's not directly working with you mm-hmm. is like, damn, like wh- who, what, what have you been doing? Like, how do you do all that? Right. Yeah. That's where people go. Like people yeah. go, how do you do get all that done? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. It's like, this is the slow game, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's working out literally. That's why I go, I go to working out for everything. Yeah. I feel like working out has, has like broke through the mental model that I had, which mm-hmm. was legitimately like in, in, in a book. I've never even read this book because it's just so ingrained into me now, yeah. but it's the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Hmm. So the fixed mindset is just like the old school version of like everything that I am is everything that I ever will be. Hmm. Whereas the growth mindset is everything I am is not what I could be. Right. Like this is who I am now, right? That's the 1% better. Basically, like yeah. just knowing that you're going to grow forever in yeah. everything you do. It's just a matter of how long you pursue those things. Right. And so like working out, it like completely crumbled my worldview. Like it's literally it like I remember being at the lab and this is goes to like the vision stuff that I was telling you. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at the lab and seeing my peers for the first time ever who were like the first not really the first time of it was the first time in a professional setting because I'd worked at Walmart before where right. I saw my peer group who were like managers and salespeople mm-hmm. and they'd sit behind their desk all day and they're like in their thirties or so and they have kids or just about having kids. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't really want to be the guy who sits behind a desk every day. Mm-hmm. Or if I do become that guy, I don't want to be the guy who's got a beer belly at 30 <laughs> <laughs> and gets tired about walking up the stairs or something like that. Yeah. And I'm really like 
making it worse (laughs) saying it in that way. But like I wanted to be able to be healthy for my future kids so that I could go play with them and be an example for them. Right. right? I don't have kids anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening, but (laughs) it was like this idea that had been planted in my head. I kind of looked around and I'm like, but I couldn't do any of that stuff. Like this is coming from a guy who I don't even think I ever ran a sub 10 minute mile in high school even. (laughs) And like I worked out because somehow they decided that they wanted to put me in weightlifting gym since after I did freshman football, which yeah. you're, you're to thank for that one. You and Ben, you guys oh, talked, we talk you talked me into showing up for practice. Like the first week of oh, school, <laughs> I didn't even do like summer training camp. I just showed up on the so, field. Really? Yeah. Oh damn. You guys talked me into doing that. And that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to, to sports. And this is also coming from the kid who freshman in high school, I was five, one or two, 110 pounds soaking wet. Wow. Yeah, I haven't really grown that much either. I'm 5'6", 155 right now. So That's a lot. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit different, but yeah. So like I went into this with zero experience and that was kind of my baseline. I was like, well, I did the athletic thing kind of. Um, obviously wasn't good because I've never done any sports up until that point. <laughs> yeah. But like I had to check the, the ego and all that stuff at the door. I'm mean, like, well, you're starting over, buddy. You're 21 now. So whatever you did back then has no bearing on what you do now. Yeah. And all of a sudden I just kind of set these goals and just started doing stuff. And like, I just got better. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I like gained 10 pounds in a month of just muscle. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, well, how is this happening? Like, yeah. I've never lifted anything in my life. Right. And I just did what I always do. I just read, mm-hmm. you know, I read and absorb information. I'm like, but it was like the difference of just reading. It was watching videos. And like, I would have my phone at the gym and I'd be like, okay, he's doing that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do that. Right. And then like, I, I'd make my own workout routines like that right. way. I like, or like anytime I was at, at work, I would have messages. I would have like tabs open. So I'd have like real work here. Mm-hmm. And then I have three, four tabs of bodybuilding.com of different workout shit. <laughs> right. And every time I went to the bathroom, my phone had tabs open where I'm just like, okay, how, like, yeah. well, like what are the biomechanics? Like I took an engineering. I did, I literally took an engineering route on it. I'm like, what are the biomechanics of muscle? Like, how does this, like, how does doing wide grip versus narrow grip change the effect on the bicep muscle? Right. You know, yeah. th- this is, just, this, this is pathology of out. me. Yeah. This is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this is Eric Wenzel taking things yeah. to the nerdy level. But like, as I started doing this, I was like, holy shit. Like it is a science. Yeah. I'm like, it's, yeah. I'm like, I, it did never like, no one had ever sat me down and explained like, oh yeah, working out is a science, yeah. right? Or kinesiology, right? Right. No yeah. one had ever sat me down though. And like said, you can do this the scientific way. I had always assumed you had to be the meathead jock. I, right. I pick up heavy things and I put the heavy thing back down. Yeah. And then you just do that over and over again. And then you just get big and strong. Yeah. No, it's a, Right. Intricate. A lot of right. intricate things. Like that was just me being dumb and <laughs> <laughs> like just looking at it and saying, looking at that person, like mm-hmm. I thought you and Ben and all you guys were really athletic and having a friend like Mike, like that fucking yeah. doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Mike's but just- I'm, I'm saying that as a joke though, because I think Mike is honestly one of the best examples of a friend you do want to have around mm-hmm. because he sets the standard. Yeah. Not in a bad way, because he was one of the few people that no matter how good he was at something, he made me want to try harder, but mm-hmm. he also pushed me to be better right. without being like, I'm better than you and like right. flaunting it. Like he yeah. never did that. And I, you know, having that kind of person around where he's like, I'm going to it. Like he pushes himself, m- like made it possible for me. Right. If that makes sense. No. Yeah. hundred percent. 
So having him and then having you, I mean, you even planted the seed back when you were in college. You came back for December, like the holiday season, and you're like, yeah, dude, I started working out. And you're like, you got to try it. You'll, yeah. you'll love it. And this is way before I even like had finished working at the lab or started yeah. working at the lab. And like that just planted the seed. I was like, hmm. Hmm. Maybe. And, and like five months later, I signed up for the gym. Yeah. Like that was like one of those things, like when people around you just mm -hmm. mention something offhand can plant these long forming seeds that just enter into the world. Like I literally trace back working out as being the facilitator for all of the growth that I've had over the last five years wow. to get into everything that I've gotten into to this day. Hmm. Like it started out with working out and everything else that's followed, like getting into the neuroscience and mindset and all this stuff came from that, came from that. and nutrition on top of that too. Yeah. Like everything is like facilitated from this one aspect of it because for me, I had always, I kind of assumed I'm like, okay, I got this, whatever you call intelligence thing. Like the, mm. the idea of being able to learn for yourself and mm. do things like that. Like I got the mind kind of set, like mm -hmm. the intel intellect aspect of it. But I, there's always this, aspect of the body that I was like lacking in. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of remember it's like the, what, what affects the one affects the other kind of thing. Like yeah. if you look at your body as a system. So if I'm like way up here, like if you have like a scale and like the intellect is way up here, like maxed out off the charts and, but my body is like way down in the low end, then I'm shooting myself in the foot. Right. Because if they feed off of each other, then therefore you need to try and balance them out or at least get them evil equal. Yeah to be able to optimal optimize your, how you perform. Yeah. And that's new language for me, but I just, in my head, I kind of had this idea. I'm like, well, I need to focus on this other aspect of myself that I just neglected forever. Hmm. Cause I had just thrown in the towel and said, I can't be that. Right. That's <laughs> interesting. I think, so I think that goes to say, even, I wonder if that book, you said the growth, what's it called? Growth, growth mindset, growth mindset. I wonder if they talk about it in there, but I feel like who you were sets a foundation for who you, could become. be yeah yeah so like those things how you started how it seems like you always had the want you know what i mean you mm -hmm. if you did not if you literally were like i don't want to do that you wouldn't have came out it never would have happened practice. yeah you know what i mean so like you had the want that you always knew oh, it. that's a good point i never even thought about that. yeah like if you were just like <laughs> i don't care you wouldn't have came yeah but the part of you was like no i want to i want to see this through you know what mm -hmm. i mean and that's why you showed up because mm -hmm. as much as me and ben or whoever could appear pressured you into coming out I made the decision we didn't to drag show you. Up. We didn't, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> we didn't like literally drag you to practice and say, he's going to play. Like you <laughs> showed up on your own. Um, so it, that goes to show that that's always been there. And yeah. You just kind of had to flush it, it out. It's weird for me too, kind of looking back because like I have this weird mental fortitude thing of like boxers mentality of like almost like Rocky, right? Where no matter how many times you get knocked down, I'm going to get back up. Yeah. And I've kind of looked at this. And almost anything I do, like even if I'm not good at something or don't think I'm good at something, I'm going to keep going and either I'm going to die <laughs> yeah. or or I'm going to keep getting back up and figure it out. Like right. it's it, there's no quitting. Is The quitting is not an option. Like I, right. I can't tell you why that's the case. Like yeah. did I ever tell you like when I was starting to do runs in the summer, I would go to the dark place. So I would get to the point where I'd run like three-ish miles or so mm -hmm. and like my recovery is really high. So my watch is telling me I can push myself. Mm. And so I get to the point where I look at the, at my watch whoop and I'm like, okay, I'm like three and a half miles. I'm like, I think I could do more. I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I could do more. Let's see how, let's see how far I can go. Right. Yeah. And then that's when the, the dark place opens up or as I call it, this is like stealing from Rogan a little bit, <laughs> but where it's like, okay, what breaks first, my body or my brain? Yeah. And, and 
it's weird in the sense that even if my body gives up, I'm going to crawl home. Like, like that's just, yeah. like it goes that far for me because it's like yeah. when I tr- push myself in the gym or working out physically, it like becomes a challenge for the brain, like intellectually, like right. where are my limits? Because it becomes like this playground of like in the world where we're not chased by the tiger, right? Yeah. Going back to that yeah. stuff, like working out becomes this place where we can try to see where the, the physical limit is. Like, mm. would I be able to survive in a scenario where a tiger was coming after me yeah. kind of sort of yeah, like yeah. it's not really a one for one but right. <laughs> <laughs> like I, that's just kind of where i take it like because i'm just like okay where's my breaking point like where's my inner bitch yeah like you know the yeah. conquer the inner bitch i, I mentioned that to yeah, you before yeah. <laughs> like i just think that's such a i think that's why for any reason you should work out mm-hmm. if if no reason at all other than like the, the obviously there's the whole looking better thing like whatever yeah. that, that's a byproduct of all of it right. but like if you want to see where your limits are start working out you know yeah. put yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's mental i feel like partly it's more mental and physical because you can be working out and doing your thing and say "Ooh, that hurts and stop yeah but it's like okay but can you do more? Yeah. Well, it hurts. I didn't ask you if it hurts. I know it hurts. Can you do can one you more? Can you do more? Yeah. Can you do more? That almost always they can do one more. Yes. You know what I mean? So being a trainer, I've there, seen that. There was um there was a point where when me and Mike had I had first started working out, maybe like a couple months in, he came with me to the gym, and this is still when he was at uh doing baseball. And he's like, You gotta do two. And so he mm-hmm. did this fucking thing to me where he's like, he's like, he he kept making me go. He's like, one, mm-hmm. one, one. <laughs> One. And he's like, you gotta keep going. You gotta get at least two. And he's like, one, <laughs> one. And I'm like, I'm like, I fucking hate you yeah. right now. But, I, but you know, in my head, like the not give up mentality, I'm just like, one. And he's yeah. like, keep going, one. And he's like, yeah. as I struggle, one. And you're like, he's like, you're almost there. One more. <laughs> I just kept going. And like, I don't even know how many reps I did at that point, but it's one of those things that like you push yourself to the point where you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I can do a lot more than I thought I could. Like, and that's just like the entire journey of what this has all become, yeah. right? That's where free curiosity is all about to some degree is like, where's the journey taken you? You know, just looking back at how long it's taken. Uh, we have 70 episodes, 71, or wow. we'll be 71 by the time, by the time this one goes live. And yeah. like, you know, that's a year and a half of podcasts. Like I was just going through the other day and I'm like, this is the craziest journey I've ever like decided to go on where i have basically from episode 10 to now one podcast a week Mm. at least because there's a couple bonus ones with new years and things like that that are like an audio log of my own journey at like interspersed points yeah but also the different unique people that i've been able to come in contact with that you don't normally get right like we're talking about this deep connection stuff Mm -hmm. but the difference about these kind of conversations is that i can go back and re-reference them yeah and other people can re-reference them and think about them and take the lessons from those people, which I think is so freaking cool. (laughs) Cause like, it's something that we don't get to do. Yeah. I think that's why podcasts are refreshing to people and why more and more people are like, I like this because it's something that has long since been, just doesn't happen anymore. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or very, not less. It's not, it's not commodity. Right. Yeah, it's easier to just have your surface level conversations, your surface level interactions, and then mm-hmm. you hear these nuanced conversations or like deep dives into deep dives into topics. Yeah, and it's refreshing because it's like wow, like the uh, authenticity. Dissect. Yeah, it's I love dissect, dissect, dude. Amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I found that. You know what I mean? But I was honestly on the fence about it. I'm like, I don't really know too much about these musical stuff, and mm-hmm. I turned it on. Oh my God. Go ahead and explain it though yeah. real quick because. So um, I forget his name. So forgive me, but. Cole. Uh, yeah. Cole. Something. Kushna. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Is that Cole it? Kushner. If it's if it's wrong, I apologize. It's, it's spelled very weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, what they do on this podcast called Dissect is they take primarily hip hop album hip hop albums so far. Um, I hope they venture into other genres, but as of right now, it's several hip hop albums from To Pimper Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. um, Tyler the Creator's latest album. I forget the name of it. I apologize. Um, and some other ones that they go and do a deep dive and they go from song by song, almost line by line and explain the motivations, the ideas and everything about this album and give you this full picture mm-hmm. of what the artist meant when they put out this album, which is nice because sometimes you have these albums, you're like, oh, that's an interesting story. But you don't you still there's parts that you miss or like motivations or things that they brought in, you know, from past references or whatever from their life they don't get. And they put this all in the forefront that's easily digestible so you can Mm -hmm. get it and then it gives you a deeper appreciation when you go back and listen to the album you're like holy shit yeah dude it unpacks so much of the layers yeah like i i don't i knew a little bit about kendrick before going to this but just listen the first episode but i gotta listen to the fourth i believe still oh my god it's so good like because you don't even you don't even realize how much is packed into a three and a half minute song or less like it's crazy like the amount of thought and just emotion put into the songs i'm like holy crap right like you, you don't think about that you just hear the the surface level again back to the surface level stuff yeah. like you hear the surface level lyrics and you're just like eh. yeah like oh he's just talking about pussy money weed yeah like okay yeah. and then you just throw it out and you're just like well it's like everything else yeah, yeah <laughs> so much deeper and they put it to the forefront i appreciate that they did that because i feel like it's helping lift which i think it's been happening on its own but it's all it's still helping lift the stigma around rap music Mm -hmm. where it's like no there's a lot of thought there's a ton of creativity in it it's nuts man yeah and so things like that you don't you don't get a lot you know what i mean you do you do some places it's not that it's completely absent you know what i mean but for the most part these kind of conversations that you have that you really value and Mm can look back on and be like wow i actually got took something from that yeah um i feel like that like people long for that you know yeah, I mean? absolutely. I mean, I, I've gained so much just from our conversations that have been recorded here and the ones that we've had like all <laughs> our lives. I mean, part of the reason Feeding Curiosity exists is because it was like, oh, wait, we were having conversations that the average person I don't think are having or mm-hmm. at least want to have. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should throw it out there and let the world listen to how this group of friends who has this bond of friendship that we can talk about things that other people might not want to talk about and run with it. Right. (laughs) You know, like people having real conversations and trying to figure it out in the world. Right. Instead of just getting on Facebook and and getting stuck in the loop, you know, let's actually have real long form conversations with each other where no one's going to like be angry at each other by the end of it. Yeah. We're like, well, I I don't see it that way, but thanks for explaining it (laughs) at the very least. And I, I don't know. It's, it's so, it feels very refreshing and different, refreshing and different in the sense of like in the world where everything has to be parsed down and fast. Yeah. Where now it's like, no, 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 let's, let's go deep and long yeah. <laughs> and like, let's go, let's where all the, where all the warts and where all the, <laughs> the things that make it confusing. Yeah. And then let's let people figure it out for themselves. Cause we're all working on it together. Right. You know? And I don't know. It's, a, it's a fun journey and you know, 
as I said, it's 70 episodes now and I don't know, like I'm just as fired up about it as I was when we first started doing it. Like right. I feel even more excited about it. Cause it's like, I'm just getting better. And now right. I have all these new things that I've played around with for the last year, right. <laughs> not to mention all the writing we've been doing. Like we've really kind mm -hmm. of been doing a lot more writing and yeah. extra things on top of that. So yeah. Which we got to continue. Dude, but. as always, yeah. but it's already been an hour and a half. Oh, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I Close don't know, state. I don't know where the time went, to be honest. Full state. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that'll do it for today's episode. Yeah, for sure. It was a good one. Yeah, definitely was. Till next time, everybody. Peace. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's, a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.